All right, we'll be in uh, Colossians chapter 1 this morning. Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn uh, from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move uh, from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray this morning that you would help us as we uh, apply the word this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would give me words to say, and when it's time to be quiet, that you'd let me be quiet. Lord, I pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. Paul is writing this letter to the, the church of Colossae, and, and, and one of the interesting things that we have to, we have to know about this is that, is that Paul has not been to the church at Colossae. Uh, he, he did not start the church there. It is thought that there were some converts, uh, probably from his church in Ephesus, that, that came out and started the church at Colossae. And so Paul, he's kind of he's writing this uh, as an apostle, as one in authority. Now, there's two books uh, in the epistles that are theologically rich when it comes to... We're, we're, talking, we're talking almost every sentence has some kind of theological richness to it. And that's the book of Romans and the book of Colossians. Colossians is so theologically rich. And, and I think that it's very similar in his approach to things because uh, he had not visited the Romans yet either. Uh, so he had not visited the Colossians, not visited the Romans, but he's writing to them and he's speaking with authority and he's letting them know that this is the gospel uh, uh, which which I, I believe and which I preach and which has been told and and lived out. And now Paul is not in the best setting right here when he's writing the book of Colossians. He he's writing this from a jail cell, and and there's a little bit of debate going on. Uh, how how exactly it was scribed down was it was it a another believer that was writing it down or did he hire a scribe while he was in jail cuz remember there was some money coming in uh from churches would take collection for him to help him out here and there and so uh it he would be he would be speaking this uh verbally and somebody would be writing down what he's saying now uh, it, it, it's very important to know that, that in the book of Colossians, the whole reason that Paul is writing to them is to combat the idea of heresy, specifically when it comes to 
who Jesus is. Uh, we, we call this, uh, th- this would be the big fancy word, Christology. Uh, the, and, and it really comes down to two things. It comes down to the deity of Christ and the personhood of Christ. And, and they, were, they were dealing with these false teachers that would come up and they would say that Jesus was not the Son of God. That was, that was heresy number one. Heresy number two that they were com- uh, he was combating here was that Jesus did not rise from the dead in bodily form. Now we know that that's completely inaccurate because uh, Jesus appeared in the, in the room to the disciples and remember doubting Thomas, I will not believe that he is risen until I put my, my finger in the holes in his hand and my hand in the, in the, the hole on his side. And so what happens? Jesus calls him on it and he says, he says here I am. Put your finger here to know that I'm real. Here's the thing. There has to be physical, physical resurrection that happens there. And so, uh, so Paul, he's kind of combating these two things uh, a, a little bit. For us, um, w- there's several observations from this little passage here, this, uh, this half a chapter that we've read, and it's so theologically rich that, that you could, you, we, we could take all kinds of stuff from this. But I have three things uh, this morning that deal with who Jesus is. And the first one is that we can say is that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, how do we know that? Um, uh, We're told that Jesus is uh, incarnated deity, that that he is the image uh, of um, the invisible God. Um, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and and the Word was God. And then a little bit further down in John, and he became flesh, the only begotten of the Son, full of grace and truth. Jesus, being of the Son, in flesh here, uh, invisible, um, the, the image of the invisible God. He, he, um, he, he uh, was there at creation. We're told that he's there at creation. Remember, uh, and uh, uh, th- there's, a, there's a, a pronoun. This is why pronouns are important. Uh, pronoun there in Genesis that says, uh, and uh, uh, we saw that it was good. We? Jesus was there at creation. And, and not only was he there at creation, he participated in the act of creation. And, and this is how we know that he's been given authority over creation here. Um, he, we're, we're told here in, in the passage that he's given authority over creation, uh, over, over heaven and on earth. Um, uh, re- remember, the, even, even Satan knew that, that Jesus had the power to, to um, tell the angels to come and minister to him when he was being tempted in the wilderness. That's his deity. He had the authority to do it. Now his humanity is that Jesus suffered through the temptation and he resisted. 
Um, we're told that he has uh, authority on all the earth. Remember Jesus, he's out on the, on the boat and he's taking a nap and the disciples, they're, they're starting to freak out a little bit because the boat's rocking back and forth. I, I can tell you this, uh, my parents had great vacation planning skills uh, before a hurricane, during a hurricane or a tropical storm, or right after a hurricane and tropical storm, and they love to take boat rides. Now, I can tell you that before, you know, we didn't do any deering. We didn't do that. They, were, they didn't trust that. But after, before and after, do you know the seas are still choppy? And you're, you're sitting on the little uh, the, the side, and they tell you to sit down and don't get up. And, and, and you're sitting on the side, and the whole time the boat's doing this. Now, you think a storm, you're in a storm... They were getting they were they were scared that they were gonna flip. But what does Jesus do? He 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 gets up from his nap and he says, Peace be still. He speaks with his breath into creation and it obeys him. Why does it obey him? Because he is creator. He was there at the beginning and participated in creation. He's given authority over the rulers and the powers and the, the thrones and the authorities. What does he what does he tell Pilate? Pilate asks, Are you the king of the Jews? And the response that Jesus gave was not a yes or a no. It's as you say. Remember, Pilate became terrified at this. Jesus has, has authority over that. Even had authority over Pilate himself. If he, if he wanted to, he could have said, he could have said, you know what, you're getting on my nerves, Pilate, you're corrupt. Gone, right there, dropped dead. And it could have happened. But he knew his purpose and he knew it. His, it, it the, the part of the plan of redemption was that he would have to go through that. Um, and, and we're told that he's before all things in the passage here. Uh, there at creation, he holds all things together. And, and why does he hold all things together? Why is everything held up in him? And it comes down to this. It's the, it's the breath of his mouth. He breathes new life into dead beings. He, he uh, makes the dead walk again. Uh, he, he, uh, creation is held together in obedience to his breath because he speaks it into existence with his breath. And so I, I often think that, that creation held together is the very act of obedience to the spoken word that he's given to creation in the beginning. Which leads us to something else. If, if everything is held together by Jesus, doesn't that mean that everything can fall apart by Jesus as well. We, we sing the song, um, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. 
and the earth shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine. There's more that I'm just spacing on that those lyrics there, but what happens at the end? When creation is no more, who's the one that speaks it out of existence? It's Jesus. His breath. And, and, and what, what, what happens here is that, is that there's a restoration of creation. How did he restore creation? Through his blood. Jesus is divine. He has the deity. He is divine. He holds all things together. He's the Son of God. The second thing that, that uh, we find is that Jesus is the head of the church. Now, uh, my kids, when they, when they first came to live with us, one of them came up to me one day and said, Who's the boss in the church? And I said, Well, that's Jesus. I like to tell people, if you've got a problem in the church, go talk to Jesus about it. He's the boss. Uh, <laughs> one of the kids was fussing with a neighbor one day, and the neighbor said, well, I'm just going to go tell the pastor on you. My dad is the pastor. Well, who's his boss? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the head of the church. There's two perspectives on church I want to talk about this morning. The first perspective is this, is that we can look at church as this institution, and we can also look at church as the body of believers. And, and uh, we, we would think that, hey, those, those two ideas are totally different, that the institution of the church and the body of believers called the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, are two completely different things. But I think they really go hand in hand. It's the two sides to the same coin. Uh, so to say. And I think that when we say that the church is an institution, we say this, is that, that in our corporate worship, the church, this building that we, that we worship in, the institution, we come together to worship as the Church of the Nazarene, and, and down the road there's people worshiping as the Baptist Church, and the, the Presbyterian Church down the road, and and Methodist church way down the road, and, and other non-denominational churches all around us. And so we could say that the institution of the church uh, meets together with the church. Now, that, that's kind of a, you would think, well, that, that's kind of a weird thought process there. But, but here's the thing. The institution of the church, this is the way it's supposed to work, is that everything points back to Jesus in the institution of the church. And so when we, when we worship, our worship points back to Jesus, who is head of the church. And uh, when we put our mission statement together and we, and we live out mission as a church, our mission points back to Jesus the, the, the head of the church. And, and when we're, we're thinking about vision, how are we going to spread the gospel in the next two years, three years, four years, five years? How is that going to happen? All vision points back to Jesus, the head of the church. And when we look at finances, we, we say, you know, it's really his money anyway, and we're just being stewards of it. All our, our financial stuff points back to Jesus because he's the head of the church. And 
And when we talk about programming in the church, that, that would be the different things that we do. A children's ministry, youth ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry, VBS, uh, uh, um, Operation Freedom. That's all what we consider programming. And so when it comes to that, everything points back to Jesus, who's the head of the church. And, and that's the way that it should be. Because the purpose of the institution of the church is to bring others into a knowledge of Jesus Christ. It, there, there's a purpose of not only bringing them into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, who he is, that's the gospel that he can save you, that he loves you, that he died for you, that one day he's coming again for you. And you, you know what? Uh, you can experience the fullness of him now. In this life. See, you don't have to wait until you go to heaven to have a relationship with Jesus. You can do it right now. Uh, I, I think that people, uh, we, we love it when people make deathbed confessions. We really do love that because uh, we know that, that they, we will see them in eternity. And I'm not devaluing that at all. But what I'm saying is there is a lot more freedom in life to worship Jesus today. We bring people to the, the, the institution of the church to bring, bring people to the knowledge of him, the gospel here, uh, that, that he loves them, that he died for them, that he saves them, and he has a plan for them. The purpose of the church is to disciple believers. But I, I even think the purpose of the church is to... to, to there's, there's a dual purpose here. The, uh, the church baptizing believers. That's a command. You know, that's a command. There, go forth, go Teach them to obey all I've commanded and baptize. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, go forth is part of the institution of the church. And to be the assembly of the believers is part of the institution of the church. Hebrews tells us, Do not forsake the assembling together of the church. You know, I think that's why COVID was so hard for, for many in the church. I think that's why COVID was so hard for, for the church universal is that is that we have this we have this built in purpose to assemble together to worship Jesus because everything points back to him. The institution of the church is to point to him. You know, we even have his name on the sign out there. Church of the Nazarene. That's Jesus. It all points back to him. Uh, and then we have this, this kind of this idea of the, the body of believers. The, um, and the body of believers would be this. It's where, where Jesus is the head, the collection of the believers. And so that means everyone that's in the institution of the church, uh, uh, everyone who's called upon him as Lord and Savior of their life, they are part of the church, the called out ones, the, the, those that assemble together. And, 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 and uh, here's the thing. Uh, we can take the institution of the church... And we can say that we can tear it down and you still have the body of believers. But did you, you know that the body of believers would put something in place again? 
See, if this building right here were to burn tomorrow, and we could say that the, the institution of the church, if we look at the church as a building, if it burns tomorrow, the Summersville Church of the Nazarene does not cease to exist. We'll just meet together under that big tree over there before it dies and falls apart. Hopefully not during our services. Um, the thought is the body of believers. Jesus is the head. And so that means where, where he looks, we look. And where he goes, we go. And, and what his plan is becomes our plan. And, and uh, when it comes to the body of believers, there's all different parts in the body of believers. There's apostles. Uh, 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 Paul tells us there's pastors, apostles, overseers, teachers, administrators. There's participants in worship. There's intercessors in, in prayer. There's those that are talented with kids and those that are talented with youth. There's those that are musicians. There's those that can pray until heaven comes down. There's those that are gentle in spirit and give wisdom and encouragement. Everyone has a place in the body of believers because Jesus is the head. Without the head, the body means nothing. It all points back to him. Jesus is the head of the church. Our third observation this morning is that is this is that Jesus is the reconciler. Um, I was uh, talking to my sister one time, and and uh, she was going through high school. And in Tennessee, they uh, now make you take a financial literacy class. Praise the Lord. Right? Praise the Lord. Needs to happen. And, and so she was telling me that they were reconciling their checkbooks in, in her uh, financial literacy class. And every time I hear the word reconcile, I always think of reconcile, reconciling the bill. Miss um, uh, Cormay, sometimes I'll talk to her and, and, and she'll say, well, we're, we're waiting on this to happen so that we can reconcile the bank statement. And, and that's what you think of when you think about reconcile. Things get reconciled. And, and, uh, and, and it's a counting term, and it really means this. It means that everything has made clear, that everything has been settled out, and there's nothing left owing or to be owed. It's been made clear. You want your account to be reconciled. When we can say that Jesus is the reconciler, it means this, is that he has paid the debt so that we can have a relationship with God again. He has paid the debt. And he's, and he's reconciled. He, uh, things have been reconciled through his blood. Sin has been reconciled through him. He, he offers forgiveness of sins through his blood. And you know, I believe one day, creation will be reconciled. We're told that there's a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. Well, why is that? Because creation is reconciled. Because we have been reconciled, we are presented holy in His sight, without blemish, free from accusation. Now, now, when it says free from accusation, it means this, is that, is that we know that Satan is the accuser, and, and, and uh, uh, we know that that's his, his primary purpose, and, and his goal is to accuse the saints of, of um, 
uh, things that they've done wrong. But here's the thing. Uh, when Jesus has reconciled you and everything has been made clear and your debt has been paid in, you're free from accusation. So now the accuser doesn't have anything to throw in your face. You're free and clear. Jesus, he's reconciled our sin and he's paid our debt. He's the reconciler. And, and in this, Paul says, do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Know who Jesus is. He's telling them, Jesus is not this, this person that they're telling you he is, these false teachers. It's the Jesus that you are to worship is the one in the gospel. And this is who he is. He's the reconciler. He's the head of the church. He's the son of God. You know, sometimes I wonder through, throughout life what have we made Jesus to be in our life? I've, you know, I've heard people that, that kind of tell me their view of Jesus, and he's an ATM machine who just distributes blessings over and over again. I've heard other people who, you ask who Jesus is and to them, and, and, and they tell you that he's somebody who judges harshly. And so they've got to stay in line or they're going to get smited. Others believe, even today, that Jesus did not raise from the dead in bodily form. But he's just a spirit. We call that Gnosticism. Others believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the head of the church, the reconciler of those who call upon him. I want to I ask you this this morning, and this is a, a challenge to think about throughout the week. Who is Jesus to you? Has there been some ideas that's kind of crept in over the years, and, and you're starting to wonder, the Jesus that I knelt down at the altar to ask into my heart, is that the same Jesus I worship today? Or if I made him into something else. Jesus is reconciler. You know, he can reconcile our minds too. Bring it back to where he was and who he is and make himself known.